Welcome to the uh, April 2020 edition of Making Waves. This show we're going to focus on the, the Reve broadcast coming up on May 2nd and 3rd. Uh, typically the setting for this broadcast is a series of encampments, uh, particularly in England, where they receive the streams of, of, uh, from around the world of uh, different dawn choruses, which is the you know, first light um, where birds start to awaken and, and sing. And they take uh, recordings of that and uh, mix them from time zone to time zone and going across around the earth in a westerly direction. And uh, it, here in North America, in the eastern time zone, it uh, lines up with almost like midnight to midnight um, when it's dawn in the UK. And uh, so this makes kind of a 24-hour broadcast starting at midnight, which will be heard here on Wayfarm Radio. And uh, it will also be heard uh, in other points um, among uh, experimental music networks, such as Resonance Extra and uh, NASA Radio. And uh, for this show, I've um, had the opportunity to talk to the uh, founders of the Reve broadcast, Grant Smith, Maria Papadalaki, and Don Scarf. And uh, together uh, we talked about the history of Reve and uh, how uh, this current situation in the uh, COVID-19 pandemic has uh, shaped the nature of the broadcast and uh, brought in, we think, maybe new opportunities and new ways of going about and listening to one's uh, immediate environment. And I think that the uh, self-isolation context has certainly opened a lot of ears and uh, people's uh, oral imaginations to sounds. Part of that is acoustic uh, because there's less traffic noise and airplane noise to mask uh, subtleties of the natural environment that get hidden by urban noise. But also some of that is, I think, attention, uh, that uh, there's more time and uh, to spend uh, listening. So um, we also invite, uh, well, I know that Grant and Marie and Don certainly do uh, invite uh, participation, more participation in the Reve broadcast, because it's a kind of a creative commons, or it's a kind of community network, of, uh, and that's very easy to do. You can use a simple uh, uh, cell phone or um, tablet or a computer that you have handy, and as long as you have a connection to the internet, whether that's through data or Wi-Fi or Ethernet or whatever means, then uh, you too can share the sounds of your local environment with uh, a worldwide um, network of broadcasters that um, and there's actually free server space that you can use for this purpose uh, it's called Locus Sonus L-O-C-U-S and Sonus S-O-N-U-S and uh, you can point your broadcast to them and they will uh, put you on a map worldwide map for people to listen to the soundscape of your environs the focus of these broadcasts is on uh, goings-on as they are. It's not a 
place to talk on the radio like I am right now. It's, um, in fact, it's more about the background environment. And speaking of which, uh, through this interview, we will intersperse sounds from past Reve broadcasts. And some of these uh, you can also compare to the current time by visiting locussonus.org. And uh, some of these soundscapes uh, exist there. Uh, we'll be listening to uh, the Cyber Forest broadcast from Tokyo. Uh, we'll be listening to the Warbler's Roost broadcast from here in South River. Uh, there will also be appearances from Point Pelee Island in uh, uh, Leamington, Ontario. And uh, several others will appear in the background. I think there's one from Salerno, Italy that we have queued up. But it's all live and uh, hard to predict. And um, just like uh, the state of things today, there's uh, sometimes a plan, but uh, the plan varies. Well, let's begin uh, at the starting point, uh, Reve. Uh, or, well, maybe that's not the starting point for all of you, uh, but uh, uh, how did Reve come to be? So the idea of Reve started um, roughly around 2013 when uh, Grant Smith and myself, Maria Panolaki, met for the first time in London. And we started discussing um, some common uh, interests around live audio streaming. In fact, the, the idea of the global 24-hour broadcast uh, was something that um, was already happening as, as a concept uh, in, uh, when Grant met me. So that was one of the first things that we started discussing, uh, how we can um, both um, uh, turn and focus uh, our interests around lovers, live audio streaming into making this 24-hour uh, broadcast uh, happening. Um, so that was the, the initial starting point. Um, and of course, um, uh, all the contextual materials around it that already existed back then and even further back in time. Uh, so the Locus Onus sound map, uh, the idea about um, uh, skill sharing and uh, DIY uh, open source um, 
broadcasting tools. These were all interests uh, that both uh, Grant and I had at that time. Uh, so that's how we started planning the first uh, Reveik broadcast. And that's when uh, we came uh, across uh, Dawn's uh, project, the BV broadcast project, which we also featured in the first uh, Reveik broadcast. We were fascinated by, by her um, um, concept and the way that she was um, setting up the project, uh, the stream itself. Um, she had a toolkit uh, that uh, we could download and see uh, how she, uh, um, you know, set up her stream, uh, um, this kind of survival toolkit uh, for BV, uh, BV broadcasting. So that's how we, get, we uh, started um, getting in touch with uh, Dawn, who uh, soon also became a member of uh, the collective. And since then, we've been all three... Uh, working together uh, to make Reve happen, along with all the partners and artists and enthusiasts uh, who join us every year and are committed to opening uh, an open microphone uh, and sending their sh sounds uh, to us and to the broadcast. So by open microphone, let's maybe expand on that for people that don't know. Uh, basically, it's a microphone out in a some type of public space or open outdoor environment and it's connected to uh, a computer or some kind of digital device that's streaming audio uh, that uh, uh, from that microphone out into the open world and then how are those uh, listened to but maybe let's maybe more importantly why is this uh, an important activity as opposed to recording the sounds and editing them and so on and so forth and recontextualizing them. Wh why, why the open microphone? Uh, the open microphone, it has a different uh, texture around it. And by texture, I don't mean something abstract and um, poetic. It is uh, uh, a microphone that is actually exposed um, to all the weather conditions, all sources of human activity or non-human activity. It is an, a microphone, all the projects on the Locusonus map, which is one place where you can find uh, a network of open microphones uh, from around the world. All these different open microphones have uh, their own um, story, uh, their specific uh, um, projects, site-specific projects. Uh, there are certain different uh, different reasons why these people are having this uh, this uh, and maintaining these open microphones. Uh, so it's not just um, you know with field recording and pre-recorded soundscapes, you have a different uh, um, let's say mindset, a different approach. You are hunting, let's say, and I'm using this very negative word, in fact, uh, to for the best sounds. Whereas the open microphone is something that is more exposed, more fragile. Uh, it's uh, it's something that you have to uh, maintain, and um, sometimes uh, you know the signal on the internet can go down, or a cable might break, or a bird might come and you know, eat your microphone or, you know, heavy rain might d damage it. So it is an exposed, fragile setup. Uh, the other thing is the listening approach. It's definitely durational. It's a different kind of uh, connect connection with your own environment. 
So if you listen to your own uh, uh, live stream for, of your own, um, let's say, house or garden, uh, there is a very, uh, it's, it's a, I call it an, ex an expanded listening experience where you get um, uh, a more enriched, more prolonged uh, and more durational uh, connection uh, to your soundscape through sound. It's not this, uh, let's say, episodic best of um, 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 experience that uh, field recording may give you. It is something that sometimes can be boring, sometimes can be really interesting and surprising. It's something that uh, it has uh, its own rhythms uh, and uh, it allows you to uh, dip in and, uh, you know, to tune in and tune out uh, whenever you want. And um, it offers uh, a resource above other things to listeners to other um, corners of the world uh, who can access it, listen to it, reflect on it, and maybe use it for their research, uh, use it for a performance. It's, it's an open source material that uh, people can, um, can connect to and listen. Anyone else want to add? I agree. That's a very good, a very good um, evocation um, that Maria's doing of, of like what's at stake with with the listening in real time, rather than um, rather than recording. Although, although um, it'd be, it, I mean, it'd be nice to sort of avoid. I, I, I mean, there is a wide range of recording practices, and 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 I think many many recordists, uh, you know, we wouldn't want to kind of lump them in with some kind of uh you know big game hunting kind of a colonial pursuit i mean uh but i i think i feels like the listening the sort of list listening without without trying to without capturing as such is is uh is, is aligned with a particular kind of particular kind of listening and recording and that there is kind of common ground there but in a way it maybe it comes out of the broadcast in that in that uh, the, 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 the broadcast is focused around this moment of transition from uh, from darkness into lightness, which 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 uh, around about the, the, the line, the gray line, uh, uh, as Udo, as Udo calls it, uh, between civil twilight and sunrise. And that that moment is 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 ephemeral and and uh, and then, and, and then, and then the broadcast—the idea of the broadcast really comes out of the paradox that it's ephemeral, but then it, it goes on all the time somewhere else and, and moves. So, t tuning to that and trying to find a kind of artistic response to that—it uh, seems like it, it just involves you automatically in this un, uh, this uncaptured kind of open listening towards something that you do not know what is what's coming up because it hasn't actually propagated yet. And that seems uh, that seems to be on kind of an ongoing uh, thing of interest to people, including uh, including ourselves. Even though real time now has become this sort of fetishized commodity, and we we do like to talk about the fact that real time is not about it's not immediacy. It's always about um, like um, Jean Christophe says it's it's not about uh, an immediate connection. It's always full of of technical uh, deferrals and and um, uh, specificities of the kind of equipment that you're using there's always delay and 
and lag and latency of various kinds and somewhere in that in that process of, of, of people and, and machines and, and um, that extended sort of non-human space is, is where the texture of the, the work uh, comes from. Yeah, what are some of the parameters that people that that a lot of the open microphones on the Locosonus network? What are some of the parameters do you think go into deciding those locations? Like, uh, it's different than field recording where you're on a battery and you're just going collecting a sound, but um, and you can go anywhere where the sound is. But in this case, uh, from my own experience too, in participating, there seems to be other factors that are that are at play that decide uh, the location of the microphone. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess everybody's motivation is uh, slightly different, but with um, open microphones, the practicality comes into it a lot. Uh, so if people are wanting to set up a stream that's going to last for a long time, um, you know, uh, for practical reasons, they might choose to put that in their backyard or whatever so they can run cables from their house. Um, I guess it's easier to sustain something when it's in close quarters than uh, trying to do it up a mountain somewhere um, but that gives uh, the whole network a sort of interesting quality in itself uh, so I guess that's another thing that, that sort of goes back to that question about what is an open microphone because uh, part of it is setting up uh, a sort of community you've always talked about it as a an open microphone network um, and it, in reality I guess a lot of the mics are um, set up you know in people's neighborhoods i mean there are a few um online that are set up in nature reserves and have a slightly more advanced setup with uh, solar panels and um you know batteries and things but um yeah i think uh, it's it's a very personal choice for each streamer really depending on their resources and what environments they've got access to I guess n none of you were involved in the founding of the Locosonus network, as far as I understand. So what do you think the motivations were behind that uh, platform and how they may be different or similar to your own? Um, it's, it's, it's true that the, the Locosonus network came uh, before we did. And, and when, when we were researching how to do the broadcast, it was... It was Udo Noll on, on some the server who pointed us towards Locosonus, which is um, originally was a, a project between art schools of Aix-en-Provence and Bourges. Uh, it was set up uh, by jointly by Peter Sinclair and Jérôme Joie, and uh, it's it's currently uh, its current form is is it's it's still at the um, in X and it's also merged with. Um, uh, AMU, the um, ex Marseille University, and I guess the motivation for that was partly uh, intentional and partly uh, serendipitous. So, I think that Jerome and Peter were working in separate places, and they they imagined they would set up uh, what was then a, a, t a technically uh, innovative uh, kind of form of link between two between two places, maybe to do some network performances. 
and then they became interested more in the downtime than the performance and and they 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 proposed uh, simply to leave the to leave the microphones open and uh we have like really benefited from from both uh, the, the the technical side of the Sonus projects and also from the from the sort of philosophy of open open source and so forth. And we're now collaborating with Locusonus and and uh, other other organisations in Europe on a project called Acoustic Commons, uh, which is really about widening and, and diversifying and strengthening that. Uh, that that network, and I guess what we maybe what one of the things that we've contributed to it as uh, as 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 people at SoundCamp is is thinking about the network ecologically and thinking about its its ecological potential, um, both in terms of, of of thinking further about transmission ecologies, which is something that's already at stake in the network, but also more explicitly about environmental ecologies and social ecologies and the way those things the way those things get mixed up. Uh, together, so Peter Sinclair talks about the about the kind of listening that uh, the microphone network invites as a kind of eventless listening, which is a, a really helpful helpful term. And um, I think I think what we've done is kind of consistent with that. But it's about it's been around sort of in the broadest sense, kind of diversification and extending extending the. Uh, the sort of inquiry that that the network started to be beyond kind of urban artist studios where it was pretty much concentrated before and with and sort of tech technologists and and sort of taking it um, into the wild a little bit. And what are some of the uh, types of setups that that are that do exist? You mentioned uh, the technologist and the uh, and then the conservation areas, um, and some using solar, and some in their backyards. I mean, what are if if one was listening and wanted to participate, what would they need to jump in and uh, share the sounds of their local environment? Um. I, I, we 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 often say that one of the things that we like about the network is is the way it actually spans quite a wide range of practices. Uh, so so on, on on one end of that sort of spectrum, you have an organisation like Cyberforest at the University of Tokyo that has managed large, ambitious off-grid 
microphone um, systems with solar solar arrays uh, going back to the mid 90s so the early days of the public internet and those are relatively expensive and, and, and demanding kind of uh, research projects but then at the other end of the spectrum you have back backyard open microphones and so forth which are which are which are uh, cheap and and, and quite easy to operate. So in order in order to in order to stream and, and be part of the of, of the broadcast, you, you can you can use a, a a laptop running an open source application of which uh, broadcast using this tool is the one that we tend to we recommend. Uh, you can use uh, Locustcast, a free app for iOS and Android developed by Locusonus. Uh, or you can use for a, for a kind of slightly longer term stream. You can use software from ourselves and Locusonus running on a Raspberry Pi with a USB audio sound card, and all of those possibilities give you slightly different textures from 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 something longer longer term or more or more transient. But they all have the ability to give uh, to to convey vivid uh, vivid audio. Uh, we're we're interested in in, in so called. Uh, quality um, uh, audio but not not exclusively and and it's it's something about the uh, it's something about the vivid uh, transmission of and sharing of of place and the details of place that really uh, that really interests us and people are welcome to can, to join with uh, with quite you know rudimentary equipment and uh, one thing to add here is the I mean um, grant mentioned the Locuscast um, app which is basically for mobile phone for streaming using a mobile phone and there are um, a lot of streams on the map that appear occasionally or temporarily because they are um, mobile stream um, mobile uh, streams um, uh, from like I've been using that quite extensively for sound walks uh, and so forth so it is it's it is not only about the permanent open microphones but also you can contribute to the map with a very specific time specific inside specific event well that's interesting because i guess with the mobile phone that allows you to use cellular data which is more pervasively available particularly in rural places um, so is there is that open up to other soundscapes than just the backyards uh, yeah absolutely if you t if you take um, if you take a mobile phone out into into a forest um, and it's especially if you if you if you use a little bit of of uh, an, uh, an audio interface you, you can you can send broadcast quality uh, sounds uh, to the public internet with with no um, kind of with no restriction and quite not very much cost so there's there's potential to to to, uh, to achieve a quite quite kind of mixed and varied uh, kind of account of, of different habitats and ecosystems and and interests because there's still ultimately that that driver of somebody who's who's engaging with a place who's interested to engage with it by going out and listening to it and sharing those sounds.
with the the COVID uh, situation, um, how will this uh, change Reve and uh, and also the contributions that uh, are happening at this time on Locasonus? Well, um, yeah, I guess normally uh, Reve happens. Uh, it's broadcast from Stayfield Ecological Park in London from the shed, um, and it's really central London by by the Thames. Um, and we use that as a site, you know, for people to come and visit um, on that over that weekend. Um, so the broadcast starts at 5 a.m. London time on the Saturday morning. And then the event normally runs um, on that site with people camping over, hosting uh, workshops and uh, talks and events. But um, because of the conditions this year, uh, we've shifted all of that material um into the time frame of Reve. So all of the people who were originally commissioned to present work uh, on site at Stave Hill, they're now adapting and, um, you know, uh, the various activities are happening um, in a kind of socially isolated way. Um, and, and people have adapted, have adapted in different ways, sort of depending on their practice. Um, and we've also adapted really by um, trying really hard this year to make the interface where people encounter Reve um, a bit more intuitive and um, actually hosting lots of parallel streams during that 24-hour time frame of Reve. Um, and these are a mix of our uh, partners, such as Kona and Tay, um, who are sending in uh, various mixes of soundscapes and possibly hosting live workshops as well um so yeah everything's changed in a way and we're definitely interested in how uh the sound materials as well that people are sending in for a uh might have changed at least the sort of ambient background noise level in cities um pretty much everyone's noticed a change with the uh air traffic pattern over london um, suddenly sounding a bit like the countryside in the mornings now uh, without that sort of constant hum of, um, you know, rail and road and aeroplane traffic. Uh, so it's going to be a pretty distinctive time to do this annual survey, uh, which is how we think of Reveille, really. So it's the seventh year now, and this one, yeah, it's going to be distinctive <laughs> for sure. But also for um, the broadcast itself, uh, you know, we, it's the first uh, year, the first time that uh, uh, us three will not be in the same room together. Uh, I am stuck in, uh, in Crete and uh, we are now devising a new way of uh, basically test, uh, testing a new idea for mixing Reve, uh, which will involve uh, remote mixes as well, guest mixers in order to uh, make it um, uh, a more open platform uh, and uh, make it work. So, you know, it's not only one person who's going to doing the whole 24 hour, you know, 24 hours, but it's going to be um, a task that is uh, shared across different people. Um, yeah, so uh, I think that's a really good example of, of trying to kind of have creative responses to the quarantine situation uh, which is paradoxical so we've we've always uh, aimed and wanted to decentralize 
and uh, decolonize the broadcast so it's not like a spoke shape uh, coming into London around Greenwich and this has forced us in a way and given us an opportunity to do that so we'll be working with guest mixers including uh, Nicer Radio in Canada and uh, Maria's stream Cymrian from Chania in in Crete and Leah Barkley at Biosphere Soundscapes who's going to be uh, curating uh, local streams from Australasia and um, and uh, Japan so it kind of feels like a um, very interesting uh, in that way in terms of the in terms of the, the social uh, and creative texture of the of the project and also as Dawn said in addition to in addition to urban areas which have really uh, been transformed by the by the changes in flows of traffic and aircraft uh, aircraft uh, there, there are lots of interesting reports about uh, being able to now hear. I mean, we're expecting to hear uh, cetaceans um, calling uh, in uh, in the Salish Sound off Seattle uh, as we as we leave um, the western coast of North America and 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 head out into the Pacific. Which up until now, over six years, uh, those calls have been completely drowned out by boat noise. So there's 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 the prospect of of, of sort of new new kinds of imaginaria in which in which there is more the communication spaces spaces are opened up uh, across species in a way that's that that is quite utopian sitting within the, um, our, our confinement and uh, we so one of the one of we're hosting a bunch of a, a bunch of, um, of of guest artists and commissions supported by Arts Council England uh, each of which has been trans transposed, as Dawn says, from a from a face-to-face -face event in a field in in central London into the, into an extended radio space. So, for instance, we'll be listening to uh, live satellite feeds um, from a DIY uh, receiver operated um, or two receivers, I think, operated by Sophie Dyer and Sasha Engelman from their apartments in London. And um, Rachel uh, Sale will be making live drawings from texts improvised by Rachel Yalaso from listening to the streams. So linking between London, um, uh, Philadelphia, and uh, and the West Country in the United Kingdom. And Public Works and Michael Spears are running a, a creative quarantine April School for Civic Action, where they're developing uh, listening spaces in people's houses and showing them on, uh, on DIY radio kits. Uh, Ella Fine is hoping, uh, hosting an Acoustic Commons study group uh, among a group of researchers who are now dispersed around the globe. And uh, Kate Donovan's going to be uh, doing a night transmission of nightingales from her backyard in, in Berlin, uh, live um, on, on the night of, of uh, Saturday, the 2nd of May. So there's quite a lot of, of, of things that have, uh, have kind of found a new form uh, in, response to the, in response to the situation. So all those elements feed into the Reveille broadcast or will they be parallel broadcasts on other platforms? Um, I, I'm sorry, br uh, briefly, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at a mock-up of the, of the platform that we're, that we're building to host the, uh, what, what we're thinking of as an extended radio event. And basically the Reveille broadcast will run at 24 hours plus a one hour coda along the top of that platform. And then there'll be a series of parallel channels running underneath with some contextual materials so that listeners will basically be able to uh, make their own mix from, from listening just, just to Reveille or tuning in to a variety of other materials on their own or in parallel with uh, with others.
So that's um, there'll, there'll still be uh, some separation in that the Reveille broadcast has always aimed to open uh, a transmission space that is different from 99.9% of airtime, which is occupied with human speech and, and, and music. So uh, we are kind of purist in that one respect that we that we don't work with recordings and, and, and we don't work with uh, we, we don't talk very much uh, but that people will be talking uh, around the margins and uh, and sort of in dialogue with those sounds in the course of the of the broadcast and the parallel channels are I mean um, the on-site version of sound camp always has this kind of like um, uh, variability so people can uh, always choose uh, to attend different workshops that happen uh, that might may, may overlap or happening at different times so we wanted to in a way to offer that to replicate that or to transpose that uh, in the digital realm as well um, and uh, one last thing is I understand you're hosting some some meetups uh, to help people get started. Uh, the ones that you're hosting, I believe, are uh, Saturday the 11th, uh, which is around the time that this will be going on the air, as well as the following Saturday the 18th. Is that that's correct? Uh, what are the times for those and how to how to join those? Uh, yeah, so really, um, actually, as a, as a kind of co-production with Nicer Radio, we're, we're doing some uh streaming walk walkthroughs on streaming techniques and an introduction to the project the first one as you say is uh, just this coming saturday day after tomorrow at after tomorrow at uh, 2 p.m utc plus one that's uh, london time on saturday and then we'll run another one at the same time on on saturday the 18th and uh, the way to find out about those is to uh go to soundtent.org and will the broadcast be hosted there too? Uh, or these these multiple parallel broadcasts will be accessible at soundtent.org? Uh, yeah, soundtent.org is a good place to start, or soundtent.org slash reveille. But um, that works well. You can also listen. Uh, you can listen at Wavefarm, uh, our broadcast partner in the United States. You can listen, of course, at Nicer Nicer Radio, and you can listen at uh, Resonance Extra in London and about 20 other participating FM and radio stations. Well, thanks, uh, Grant, Maria, and uh, Don for your time and uh, for bringing this uh, fabulous enterprise together. Um, I'm really moved by it, and, uh, and I hope that uh, uh, it grows and expands and uh, that the, uh, the COVID environment uh, unleashes a new, a new life for it.
to review, Reve is on the air May 2nd and 3rd, starting midnight uh, Eastern uh, Daylight Time in North America, and uh, finishing 1 a.m. on the Sunday the 3rd. Uh, this is in May, coming up in a couple of weeks or so. And if uh, you're wondering how to do uh, this live streaming business of your local soundscape, um, in addition to the ones that Reve, uh, SoundCamp is hosting for uh, Reve, uh, which are on the uh, 11th and uh, 18th, uh, New Ventures and Sounder, NASA, is also hosting meetups. They'll be on Wednesday, April 15th at 2 or 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, and then also again uh, the following Wednesday, the 22nd, at um, uh, the same times, 2 or 8 p.m. You've been listening to Making Waves, broadcasting from the NASA North Media Arts Centre in South River, Ontario, Canada. Making Waves is a monthly program made for WGXC Wayfarm. We thank uh, Wayfarm for their assistance, and uh, also to Grant, Maria, and uh, Don for their contributions through this program. <laughs>